everyone from Joplin, Missouri and GMPI. I'm Mike Schrage, and this is another episode of Faith Greater Than Fear. It's an opportunity that we have since March and the lockdown time to talk to followers of Jesus about their faith, about their family, and about their fellowships and just what they're doing in helping people because they are owners of faith to help people maybe that are discouraged and maybe are living in fear. And so we have a good brother today who does that and exemplifies that. And his name is David Young. David, welcome. Thank you. David, tell us where you're from and a little about your family so our audience and viewers can kind of get a bearing on you. I live outside of Nashville, Tennessee in Murfreesboro. And, uh, Grew up mostly in this area. I've lived several other states, but this is this is mostly home. And uh, my wife and I have two adult children. One of them is a church planter in Eugene, Oregon, and uh, my son is. And my daughter, she lives here, and she works for a nonprofit that serves special needs children. And you are also a minister of the gospel, a minister, pastor. Tell us a little about the church and its size and uh, just how you're dealing with this pandemic. Yeah, so we're, uh, in a lot of ways, we're a traditional church. We're, um, if you think of sort of the old Main Street Baptist Church down on the square, we're real similar to that. I think we have that similar feel. Uh, So we're in the Stone Camel Movement, Churches of Christ. I'm the senior minister. Uh, we were running, um, so we count attendance more than members. We were, uh, our attendance was about 2,100 when COVID broke out. Um, and, uh, you know, if you count the online viewers now, it's, it's quite a bit more than that. But, but we're, we're not really back in full swing, so we don't know what it's going to look like. We've got uh, five campuses, so we're scattered across the county. And um, so that that's, what, that's who we are. It's a great church. It's a happy church. It's... Um, it's a church with a lot of spiritual vision, and so it's a, it's a really good place to be. I love my church. I do love my church. Uh, wonderful. It's good to hear. And tell us what um, has been in your heart the last couple of years. You and I have talked before, and for our audience, where there are going to be some alphabet soup, you know. Um, I work at GNPI. That's Good News Productions International. I'm next to the neighbor of OCC, Ozark Christian College. There's a ministry, CIY, Christ in Youth. And now we have this new strategy of making disciples, DMM, yes, and our M2M. And so DMM, disciple-making movements. Uh, We have the M2M, which is media to movements. Talk to us a little bit as if I was a first newbie to this. And so our audience, what does DMM mean in your study? And how have you and your family and church gotten involved in it? Well, it's, uh, so disciple-making movement is, is really a simple concept. It's the idea uh, or a movement. Let's say it's a movement of people uh, that's viral. It's gone viral. So it's a, a person who shares the gospel with someone who then very quickly shares it with someone else, who then sh- quickly shares it with someone else. So it, it, it grows exponentially. And uh, there are different definitions of you know, how you would measure a movement or what you might call a movement. Uh, one of the definitions we use is if it now has 100 churches, that are four generations deep, we count that as a movement. And I think using that definition, there are probably more than 1,300 movements across the globe right now. So North Boulevard, for uh, a number of years, we were calling ourselves a disciple-making church, but we were adding members, but not really multiplying. And um, we began to ask God, help us to figure out, well, how do we multiply? How do we go from just adding people to multiplying? And um, on the one hand, the our campus here, the, this congregation, 
we've not done that. We've not moved to multiplying. But on the other hand, what God did was he, when we began to pray this and we began to ask God, show us, you know, how can, how can we impact the world? He began to bring to us people who knew how to lead disciple-making movements. And so over the course of the last several years, we've begun to join disciple-making movements. Just this morning, we got our report. Um, so we've planted, I, I've got it down the number, I don't have the papers. We've planted about 250 churches now since we started this process. And um it, and 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 this time next year it'll, it'll be it'll be twice that many it'll be 500 churches pretty easily, and uh, there many of them are in the global south. So what we do is we are providing the training for individuals who then go and become catalysts in various places, mostly in uh, West Africa and some places in North Africa and a little bit in the Middle East, and it's just a thrilling place to be because you just you have, we have people. Um, who are animists. We have numerous Muslims who are professing faith in Jesus, and uh, the little churches are born out of that. So, so it's a thrilling thing, in my opinion. This is the, this is the, this is the biggest thing God's doing right now. It's certainly the biggest visible thing God is doing on planet Earth right now. And so, uh, to unpack that again for our listeners, we can have somebody who brings their child or brings their neighbor to Jesus, and that's a conversion experience, and that's a addition, particularly if that one that was brought to Christ for a long time never brings his or her spouse or their children or something else, like you said, one generation, two, three, four. And so that's where the exponentiality instead of the addition right. comes. Now tell us, and this is happening with your church in partnership with the Global South and other places, which is a beautiful thing. We're going to get hopefully back to that. But for a moment, with the overlay of the pandemic that's happening and missionaries and nationals not being able to travel as much, churches not being able to always gather, those are two closed doors. Notice what God is doing with technology, video, social media, and this new kind of very still, very grassroots, simplistic thing from the from the Great Commission of go and make disciples. Don't go first and make converts or go and make churches. Make disciples who can make other disciples. How do you see that return to what God is doing as what it could be maybe a solution to the pandemic and some of the challenges typical churches are feeling right now? Yeah, the pandemic probably you know, serve several roles um, um, globally. One of them is, I think, um, to sort of strip away some of the things that were distracting us as mm -hmm. churches and to help us really focus on, okay, what really matters uh, because we've gone through a, sort of a purifying event of the pandemic. And it, it should be reminding us that if we're not making disciples, nothing else will have any staying value. Um, you know, you can do you can have all sorts of missions, but if you're not making disciples, this is the last generation that's going to share your mission. And so one thing the pandemic should do is really help us to refocus. I think another thing that it's done is probably reminded us that that big Western attractional church model um, has a lot of value. We still do it. We, we still like it, um, but it, it probably has a shelf life on it. it it's going to surprise me. I won't be around to know, but it would surprise me if it goes another 50 years. Um, I just think that the the movement of the gospel is back towards small groups, house churches. Um, this is certainly what's happening in the global south. And that provides people with a lot more personal challenge to just read scripture and obey it. 
and then enjoy the blessing God immediately provides oftentimes, and then to share that with someone else. So maybe it's an accelerator of a new way of doing church. So we've got this happening now. Our small groups have exploded in our congregation. Uh, in fact, we've got uh, just this morning, we've had a big staff meeting. That's why I have all these numbers in my head. But our small groups met, uh, director said that uh, this week she signed up in our small groups, uh, member people from New Hampshire, Florida, Texas, Alabama, and I want to say one more state. Just this week, they're in small groups at our congregation. They're doing it all online. And so they're 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 going through our new member orientation class online. They're becoming members of our congregation. Well, nine months ago, we'd have never thought of that. We we wouldn't have thought that we were capable of it. We would not have valued it probably. We'd have thought it, you know, it's kind of a you can't really do it online. It's not, it's not effective. I don't know what we would have thought, but God has given us that through the pandemic. And so uh we've got you know a lot, I don't know how many small groups, 150, 160 small groups. And again, people doing it online and doing it well, it's really been great. So the pandemic gives you that chance to rethink. There's one other thing. So we're a pretty traditional church. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm less traditional than my church is. Uh, a, a pandemic sort of gives you the chance. It gives you the opportunity even for more traditional people to say, maybe there's a better way. It just opens a lot of doors. So we've been able to make some healthy changes that we probably would never have gotten around to or certainly wouldn't have gotten around to anytime soon. And the church is good with it. They see there's a good reason for it. You know, there's just a lot of blessings in this in spite of all the hardship. I heard four things. Number one, embrace the pandemic. God didn't send the pandemic, but he redeemed a virus's impact right. that the broken it. world produced. And he's still redeeming it. And a couple of ways he's redeeming it is it makes us more open, David, is what I heard. Number two is that technology can be your friend like never before. Number three is that small group and relational empowerment in the community. Getting it more modular, smaller is, is really where it's going to happen. And finally is the fact that this DMM movement strategy of just relationally obeying and then making a disciple and passing it on is not rocket science. It's what Jesus asked us to do. And we're kind of almost rediscovering it. I know a friend of mine the other day at a local coffee shop here was sharing with a guy from another country that uh, didn't know anything about Jesus. And he started sharing over coffee and two or three of the guy's friends came as they walked in and said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm sharing Jesus. And telling this brother, would you like to sit around and listen to it? And so he was doing a modeling. He was sharing a Jesus story with this guy who'd never heard anything. And right there with Discovery Bible Study, another alphabet soup, DBS, right? Mm -hmm. Discover what the Bible says, go ahead and from the Bible and study it and then obey it, what the Spirit's telling you to do it in three thirds, you know, looking behind, looking forward and looking past. But the element of here, the obedience is that this brother, the next week, they all four agreed to come back into the very same coffee shop, do this, and was going to have another lesson. But they wanted to see who obeyed. The only one who obeyed was the one who had not been to church, the one who had not owned a Bible, the one who had not gone to a Sunday school, the one who had not lived in a Christian country, is the one who obeyed and excitedly told friends about this discovery that he had heard about. And that's an indictment on me and on a lot of us that have heard this story so much that we've gotten very lackadaisical in it. 
it obviously excites you. It's exciting you, church. Let's talk a minute about the collaboration that you do with the Global South and with non-U.S. partners in this growth uh, DMM uh, journey you're in right now. So, uh, 19, uh, excuse me, 2013, North Boulevard said, we believe God gave us this challenge. I want you to plant 60,000 churches. At that point, we never planted a single church. So we it was uh, quite a challenge because we we didn't even know how to plant one church, much less 60,000. But we were we, we tried to be faithful to it. We raised a boatload of money. We began to plant campuses. We began to send out some uh, workers. We probably planted five or six churches for the first couple of years. And then um, other people started hearing about this vision. And uh, rather than laugh us out on a rail, which is what I would have done, they started taking us seriously. And people began to call us, you know, how, how are you doing this? And uh, is there a way we can partner together? Um, and like this crazy thing started happening of suddenly we were joining other churches and planting churches just because we said it, just simply saying it. And, you know, we raised quite a bit of money to start it. So, you know, we were serious. We were all in. Uh, and one of the individuals, so Jerry Trousdale, who is a, not only a prince of a man, but will get his own chapter, I think, when the history of missions is written. Uh, Jerry heard about the vision. He, he didn't even belong to our denomination, but he heard about the vision. He came to visit North Boulevard. I've known Jerry from the past uh, when he worked at Nelson, Thomas Nelson. And uh, I just said to Jerry, I saw him at church one day. I said, Jerry, Trousdale, what in the world are you doing here at North Boulevard? He said, I don't know. And I said, I know why you're here. You're here to help us plant churches. Well, Jerry stayed. And probably six months after his here, he came to me. He said, you know, I know you're tossing that number 60,000 churches around. It's probably not that hard to do. And I said, well, see, it feels kind of hard. And, and Jerry began to explain to me that he's part of these movements, um, particularly in his case in Western Africa. And at that point, they had already planted 50,000 churches. And so it just piqued our interest. And we began to partner with uh, New Generations as the organization that he worked with. He helped to found Final Command Ministries. We, we partner with them as well. And then he's been a partner with Shadanke Johnson, uh, who is there in Sierra Leone. And Shadanke is over um, New Harvest Ministries. So we partner with those ministries. And uh, so we, we provide the funding, but we also go there and we kind of work with some of our partners. And then they all train the guys and send them out. And through that, that's how we ended up since 2013 with over 250 churches. But we're partnering with local churches. So we we just found out there's a church down in uh, Alabama. They planted a church uh, several months ago. We had coached them last year. And so they took all of our material. I didn't know they planted a church. They took all of our stuff and they were planting a church. So we're not counting them. But in a sense, we could count them and just say, wow, all of a sudden, there are all these other people just waiting for somebody to articulate a vision and say, we can do this. God, you know, God will bless us. Well, you and I both know another good brother by the name of Roy Moran out of uh, Liberty, Missouri, near Kansas City. He would be sending you greetings personally yep. uh, as well if you were here. Uh, Roy has that journey. And why I'm mentioning that is we may have viewers up in that area. Check out Roy Moran. If you're in the area where our brother here, David, is, check out the congregation, check out their website, read some of this stuff. And also there's another brother that I had on our program just a couple of weeks ago, Chris Galanos. And when he shared something similar, you said 60,000 churches was something God put on your and your leadership's heart. He, after 10 years, said that we were in a stadium. We had prayed, God, we want 10,000 believers in 10 years. 
and they surpassed it. That's right. And during that celebration time, they said, what's next? And God said, this is what I want you to dream a million. And they're going, but we can't get a million people in a building. And so that's when they started looking at a different model like you did and your leadership of the DMM model. So why I sense and say those is number one, if you are listening here and you're discouraged and thinking, man, Satan is winning here uh, in our country, he's winning in the world. No, he's not. He's already been defeated and the growth is much more. You just need to dig a little deeper to hear about it, right? So you have written a book that helps us really get our mind around this disciple-making movement about obedience and about the simplicity of the gospel. What's its title? Give us a plug. Tell us why it was on your heart. King Jesus and the beauty of obedience-based discipleship. So I wanted to marry the idea of the kingdom of God. So if you have a kingdom, you have to have a king. I wanted to marry that idea with Jesus's call to obedience and suggest that uh, since Jesus is king, the only right response to a king is obedience. You don't just believe in kings, you obey kings. And here's why it matters. You mentioned this earlier, uh, Mike, but um, what makes uh, Discovery Bible Study work, DBS, what makes it work is not the study part. What makes it work is the obedience part. So this is what we find in uh, West Africa. We sit down with someone typically not a Christian because the Christians have all been spoiled. We want to learn something. We don't want to do anything. Uh, you sit down with a non-Christian, you read a verse about forgiveness, let's say. And what they'll say is, okay, let's meet back you know, three days, but who do you want to forgive between now and then? What This verse teaches forgiveness. Who do you want to forgive? And they may say, well, I've got a cousin or whoever it is. Okay, I want you to go forgive them. And then when we meet again, I want you to tell me how it went. Now, this is a person who may not even know the name of Jesus. And then Isa, perhaps from the Muslim tradition, but they don't really know anything about Jesus. They're not Christian yet, but they go, they forgive, and they get an immediate blessing. They can't believe how well it went. And so when they come back, they're excited. And they, their, their question is, show me another one of these things. What's another thing I can do? And through obedience, they come to know Jesus. Well, they're so excited. They're sharing with all their friends. And this is what makes it go viral. Without the obedience part, it, it never goes viral. So I'm trying to argue that in the book that obedience is not a form of bondage. It's a beautiful thing. It's liberating. You know, following Jesus' teachings on forgiveness is not bondage. It's liberating. Mm. So I, I want to encourage North Americans to recover this, the gift, the beauty of obedience. It's, that's a beautiful thing. Tell us again the name of the book and where they can get it. King Jesus and the Beauty of Obedience Based Society. Just put David Young in King Jesus. Uh, it's at all the bookstores and Amazon and whatnot. So Zondervan published it. So wherever you can find a Zondervan book, it should be there. I think of the story of the centurion when you're telling us that and about how Jesus was so amazed. He'd seen all kinds of spiritual leaders coming and going and even his own family. And yet he said, when I had this conversation with the centurion who said, I tell this one go and he goes and this one come and he comes. And I tell this one do and he does it that I too understand authority. And you're that owner of authority. You're the king, to your point. And so you don't have to come, Jesus. Uh, you don't, distance isn't a problem for you. You just speak the word, and my servant, who was really at the point of death, will be healed. And Jesus says, Wow.
I've never seen that kind of faith in all the territory, in all of Israel. That is, I think, one of the kind of stories that summarizes, and I'm sure you probably highlighted in your book. Yeah, well, and I'll just say this. I think one reason why DBS is not that effective in North America is because we don't do the we don't do the obedience part of it. So we'll sit around, look at DBS, see what 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 do we what is what do we think it means? You know, we'll talk about all of our feelings and so forth and pat each other on the back and go home. If you don't obey, the blessing doesn't come. Right. It's the old Francis Chan thing. I told my daughter to go clean a room and she said, Dad, you'd be so proud of me. I talked about it in, in a different <laughs> language of how to be a bear or a room. I talked about what the house would look like if we would just clean up my room. And he's going, child, I just need you to clean your room. <laughs> That's probably what God, our Father, is feeling a lot regarding us. In our closing, my 20 minutes have gone, Jerry. Tell us in a couple of words, two audiences. Number one, speak to the follower of Jesus for a moment. Tell them, here's the word I want to encourage you with. And then secondly, to that minister that's in your chair, that's in that church and is here in Western part of the uh, uh, world, uh, is here in the USA. So to that normal follower of Jesus and then the minister of the gospel. So I'll say this to both of you, to both groups first. Um, we're going through a hard time. The nation's going through a hard time. They're, they're, it's, not, it's more than just a pandemic, as you know. Uh, one of the greatest blessings we discovered in our congregation was to find a mantra, a biblical mantra, something we could repeat over and over to ourselves. We picked Exodus 15 and verse 2. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he's now become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. And we mm -hmm. just repeated that over and over again. But we would we would follow. So that second word, the Lord is my strength and my song, we've discovered again the power of music to soothe the soul. Um We've we've sung a lot here. We just sing a lot, and it just unites us. It brings us strength. So uh, so when, when we're in these difficult times, that maybe that's just something worth having. We had chalk. It was on sidewalks and streets and billboards and everything. That this is who we are. Our our mantra was Exodus fifteen and verse two. I just say, uh, you know, sometimes it's just the kind of soothing that we need. And, and I'd say to those of you who are pastors who are leading churches, these are, it's really tough right now leading. It's discouraging. Um, I, I know quite a few who are considering leaving ministry. You know, you're going to get picked out from all ends right now. You're not doing enough of this. There's the mask bellies and the no mask bellies and all this stuff. We're getting it too. Uh, keep your head about you. Remember that uh, who's in charge, God will get us through this. And when he gets us through this, on the other side is a blessing. We could not have gotten any other way. Steady the course. Your church needs you to be steady right now. They need to know you're not going anywhere, that you're in this thing for the long haul. You're rising up and you're going to be a solid rock. That's what they need from you. And that's what I would offer them. I sing to my church for 10 weeks in a row. When I would preach, I would sing to the solo. I don't even know how to sing. I just wanted them to know I'm here. I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. I, I'm we're in this together. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be your father. I'm going to be your shepherd. I'm not walking away from you. And your church needs to know that you love them. This, that's a really important thing right now. Amen. Great words from a good friend, David Young. To all of you, blessings. And if you've enjoyed anything that David has shared in this insightful interview, please feel free to share it on your social media channels. 
And uh, we have a podcast version audio of that as well. And so we are hoping that you will have a fabulous, fabulous day where your faith will be lived out in obedience and your faith will be greater than your fear or your family's fears or your congregation's fears, whatever it is. David has some great words. Pick up his book, check out his website and their church's congregational website. Imagine what they're doing because God is helping them enjoy the obedience that they're undertaking. So, David, thank you so much for joining our program. Until next time, all of you, have a great day, and may your faith be greater than fear. God bless you.